um, and uh, is, a, I believe, an, an important message about creating, uh, maybe not even creating, not creating, receiving, receiving the identity that our Father has offered to us through Jesus Christ. And then, and then out of our identity, letting, letting the identity be the ground of our action. And our actions being the ground of our feelings. Right? So that we, we do things based on who we are in our identity, who God has created us to be. Right? Out of that identity, we, we do things. And once we are moving in action in life, you know, feelings, emotions come as a result of the things that we do because of who we are. Rather than the other way around, where we often, um, we, we act or we live based on how we feel, right? And so when it comes to God's forgiveness of us, right, we may, we may confess our sins and may we, we may repent and we may trust Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, but we don't feel forgiven, and so therefore we assume we aren't forgiven. And when we feel we aren't forgiven, and then we assume that, 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 our, that our feelings uh, inform what is actually true. We, we walk around in just a tremendous amount of perpetual guilt and condemnation and, and shame. And what the Word of God tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that, if you, that uh, God is faithful and just, that if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to purify you of all unrighteousness. We talked about how we, um, we either come to a point of having to believe that God has given us an identity as forgiven people through the work of Jesus Christ, or we have to call God a liar. That he is not faithful, that he is not just, that what he says in his word is not true. And we choose to believe, I choose to believe, that when God places on me the identity of forgiven, the identity of son, the identity of daughter, that he has cleansed me of all unrighteousness through my trust and faith in the work, sanctifying work of Jesus on the cross, that that is something to be believed. Not something, not something that I merely feel, because feelings are, man, if I trusted my emotions all of the time, if I trusted my feelings all the time, um, y'all be in trouble, right? We'd all be in trouble, right? So how do we begin to break free from those habits of trusting our feelings or, or moving or acting out of our feeling rather than our identity is a key battle, right? It's a key, uh, we'll say, battleground in the, in the area of forgiveness. So uh, we talked about this, um, this triangle. We, I just talked about it a little bit. Uh, we talked about this triangle last week, about how, like, you know how the food pyramid, it's like the most important things are at the bottom, and whether or not you agree with the food pyramid or not, like, um, the reality, like, 
the, the biggest section on the bottom, what provides the base of who we are, our identity, right, is that when we trust in Jesus Christ, right, our identity then is as forgiven. We, we are, uh, we do not stand condemned, right? We do not stand under the, the guilt and shame of our sin anymore. Uh, the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from that, right? And so now our identity is one as forgiven. That is who we are. And so out of our identity comes a necessary action. And when we talk about forgiveness, what is the action that a forgiven person takes upon themselves Time and time and time again, the action is to be a forgiver. You see, sometimes we believe that the primary task of a forgiven person is simply to rest and sit in that forgiveness. And certainly, the forgiveness that God offers you in Jesus Christ is yours. It does create an identity in you. It does belong to you. It does pave the way forward. But any identity, it, it precedes an action. And as an, an identity as a forgiven person precedes the action of our forgiveness of others. I'm not sure, I'm not quite sure what is a easier pill for us to swallow. And I think I, so I suppose it's probably different for each person. Is it an easier pill to swallow to believe that God forgives me? That because what I've done, what I've said, what I've thought, what I've been through, the things that have happened in my life, like could I, can I really believe that God has forgiven me? That, that in Jesus Christ I am, I am cleansed from all unrighteousness. That the faithfulness and justness of God through the power of Jesus Christ, his, his death on the cross, has, has, Jesus has, God has offered us forgiveness and declares us forgiven. It says he removes our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. How many know that's a long ways away? Right? Is, it, is that a... Is that an easier pill for us to swallow? Or is it maybe a harder pill for us to swallow that, that um, the response of every forgiven person is to forgive? Which one is harder? To offer forgiveness or to receive forgiveness? I suppose it's different for every person and probably in every season and every relationship. There is a, um, the, it, it certainly could be one or the other. And maybe um, it's both in this season and, and, and that's okay. All right. Uh, they're equally as important to talk about. But what I want to make a case for um, this morning is this, is that God's forgiveness of us, God's extension of forgiveness to you and I, is equal in measure to our extension of forgiveness to others. That they are, that they are equal in measure. You know, maybe um, we may have said in the past, you may have heard in the past, and certainly it's kind of like a nuanced type of thing to say, that, that God's forgiveness um, knows no boundaries, Right? That they're, that like God just continues to forgive 
and forgive and forgive and we confess and we, and, and we repent and God forgives and there's, there's, there's nothing so horrible or bad in your life that God will not, cannot, is not, is not eager to forgive. And on one hand, I'll say, yeah, like, yes and amen. Like, preach it from the rooftops. God is eager to give. We talked about last week out of, cha- out of Nehemiah chapter 7 about how God is not a reluctant forgiver, right? He is eager to forgive because it is part of who he is, right? But on the other hand, if we were to nuance that statement about the totality of God's forgiveness, we would have to say that, yes, God is eager to forgive, but God is as eager to forgive as we are eager to forgive. Not, not, a, not a totally popular, like, put it on a t-shirt type of saying, right? But, but Scripture is abundantly clear. This is like, this is not even a question in the Word, right? And, like, well, I mean, I don't know if we can really trust the Apostle Paul or the Old Testament prophets. I'm not sure they really knew what was God was talking about. Well, they look, this is Jesus' rule, okay? This is Jesus' rule, and we're just going to look at a few scriptures this morning that um, communicate this. Uh, first, let's start in Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 through 15. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and he says in the end of the Lord's prayer, um, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Verse 14, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. There is no like weird in the Greek or Aramaic like translation issues like no Jesus just flat out be like you know um, you do it God does it you don't do it God doesn't do it and it's not the only time that we see um, Jesus say this Mark chapter 11 verse 25 he says it in a completely different context right Not the same situation, but just a different gospel account. Completely different situation altogether, right? And and Jesus says this, and he says, uh, Mark 11, verse 25, And when you stand praying, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. So what are, the, what are our qualifications here? The qualifications are fairly broad, right? Like what are, the, what are the times that I don't have to forgive, Jesus? If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So that your Father may also do the same unto you. And then we have Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. Also a different context from the Lord's Prayer, a different context from the parable of the withered fig tree that we just read in Mark chapter 11. And we see in Luke chapter 6, verses 37 and 38, Jesus says, 
this. He lumps, um, he lumps forgiveness in with a few other topics. He says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. Listen. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What is the level of forgiveness you are offering to your worst enemy? What is the the totality of forgiveness that you are offering to the person that hurt you the worst? That is the totality of God's forgiveness to you. That is the measure upon which God um, pours out His forgiveness on you. It's the measure on which you pour out forgiveness on the ones that have hurt you the most. We're going to be primarily this morning in um, Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 18. So you can turn over there as we um, discuss uh, this definition of forgiveness. Okay? No, we haven't, we haven't even really defined what forgiveness is yet. Alright? And I don't want to uh, presume that this is the most comprehensive um, the most comprehensive definition that you've ever heard, right? But for our purposes, this is what we're going to use this morning and then next week as well. Anyone hear Benny down there hooping and hollering? God bless him. Forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is the decision to release someone from the debt or obligation that resulted when they injured me. It is the decision to release someone from the debt or obligation that resulted when they injured me. You said that to me. You did that to me. It hurt. I'm angry. You owe me. You are, you are in emotional, spiritual, mental, physical debt to me. You have, you have withdrawn from my life. It, to such a degree that you now owe me. Big time. And forgiveness is the decision that we make to release someone from that debt. To release someone from that obligation to make up in some human way, shape, or form what they have done to us. Oh, here we are in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus um, 
teaches his disciples, primarily Peter, through a parable um, titled The Unmerciful Servant. So in verse 21, uh, we read this, uh, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Um, I don't know, up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or some translations will say, seven times 70. Okay, 490, got it. Start making a list. Now, Peter wasn't just, like, drawing this number out of thin air. You know, if you look up in your Bible, you'll see that um, the context of Matthew 18 is when a brother or sister sins against you. Right? They, 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 they create a debt in your life, an obligation, right? They've hurt you in some way. They've sinned against you in some way. And so Peter, thinking to be, um, you know, the MVP of disciples, uh, comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, you know, um, I've got a question for you. And uh, Peter's remark about forgiving a person seven times is not without some precedent. So um, Peter and Jesus and all the disciples were what? Jewish, right. They were Jews, right? Jewish uh, rabbinic teaching taught that um, it was necessary, according to um, Jewish relationships, culture, and faith, to forgive a person after they have sinned against you three times. Forgive them three times. So kind of that was rabbinic teaching in the, of the day in the ancient Near East, Jesus' time. And so Peter, thinking himself a spiritual hotshot, be like, I, I watch this, guys. I'll go double it and then I'll add one, all right? So Jesus, how about I do it seven times? How about I forgive him seven times? And of course, Jesus uses... Um, Jesus uses this like overblown exaggeration to communicate to him that there is essentially no measure of forgiveness that is too much. There is, there is no scenario, neither in like um, uh, uh, intensity or quantity, that we should say, all right, I have exceeded my maximum amount of forgiveness towards this person. If we're all honest with ourselves, we can kind of see through what Peter is doing here, right? Peter is, Peter is, is doing his very best to find some rationalization, some way in which some, some, um, some, extenuating circumstance by which he is freed from the responsibility to forgive someone, right? How many should I forgive them, Jesus? I mean, like, if I go double it and then add one, am I safe after that? Right? You gotta believe that there was some, like, thing in the back of Peter's mind, be like, this person, like, they're, 
they're running their course in my life, right? And like I'm about at my wits end with forgiving them. So I'm just going to make sure it's cool with Jesus if I stop it eight times. It's making a rationalization for why not to forgive him, right? And Jesus responds with Peter, I see what you're doing and there is no rationalization whatsoever to not forgive. Five rationalizations Five rationalizations that we give to not forgive. Ready? Five rationalizations that we use for unforgiveness. Number one, I can't forgive because the thing that they've did, they did to me is just too big. It's too big. It's too much. It's too large. It's been going on too long. And if you, uh, if you, you picture, if you picture um, unforgiveness, right? Like, uh, like chains that you, that bind you, right? Either bind you uh, up in yourself or they bind you to something heavy, right? And they, they keep you from moving in freedom, right? And the chains, the chains of this thing are heavy, and, and they keep you tied up, right? And, and, so, and so what the rationalization is um, here is that, you know, this is just, this is just too strong. And, this is, and this, is too, this is too big. And this is too constricting. You, you don't know how deep it has gone. Um, therefore, right, um, I, I don't want to, or I can't, or I re- refuse to allow myself to experience uh, the freedom from it because it's too big. If you thought about it as something that you were carrying, right? If you were, if you were, you were carrying something really, really big. What would the response be if something was really Michael come here come here yeah you you're in the sermon come on yep it's my friend Michael Smoker y'all know Michael Smoker right he shared right uh, we love Michael Smoker he shared his testimony with us at the end of at, at the end of December he's a great man right so um so uh, Michael I, do you trust me okay all right go so come here Come here. <laughs> All right. So, so listen. You don't understand, right, how much they hurt me. You know how big it is. Right? And, and because it's so big, right, what I'm choosing to do is I'm going to carry it around with me. Right? When things are big, and when things are heavy, and when things are hard, instead of setting them down, instead of laying down the burden, instead of, instead of removing, removing the heavy, heavy weight from our life, I'm just going to 
because it's so big, I'm just going to continue to carry it. Just sounds like a good idea. I'm going to keep it with me because I'm sure that someone else is going to do it at some point too, and I'll just pick up another one. And I'll just pick up another one. And I'll just pick up another one. And I'll just continue to carry them. Rationalization number two. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Listen, the weight, the heaviness, the bigness of the thing that was done for you is all the more reason to forgive it so you can set it down. It's not a rationalization to keep carrying it. You're destroying yourself. Set it down. Rationalization number two that we have for unforgiveness, time will heal it. Time will heal. We've talked about this in some other um, contexts before here. You know what happens to a wound when you don't do anything of it but give it time, it gets infected. It fills with pus. It oozes all over. It is gross, right? Time does not heal all wounds. It infects all wounds. Because in a year, or two years, or five years, or at your 20-year high school reunion, you will run into that person again and realize that time healed nothing. Because you're just as angry, and just as hurt, and just as bitter, and just as holding on to the offense as you ever were before. And the only time thing that time did was put separation between you and the opportunity to forgive. To release. To let go. Number three, rationalization. All forgive when they say that they're sorry. Uh, we talked a little bit about this last week. Um, I don't want to burst your bubble. Um, they're not going to say it. Sorry's not coming. If you wait until someone says, I'm sorry, to forgive, you will be waiting a long, long time. Now, Remember last week we talked about how there's two planes, two directions of forgiveness, right? There's forgiveness as it's mediated between you and God, right? And there's forgiveness as it's mediated between you and others, right? So there's this plane and there's this plane. We have two planes of forgiveness. We must deal with both of them, all right? Now, when we are 
when we are dealing with a situation where someone has hurt us, someone has done something to us small, something, someone has done something to us significant and hurt us down to our very core. And they, they have not recognized the damage that they have done to us. They have not rightly estimated the pain that they have caused, right? Um, that is not a rationalization for us to not forgive them. Forgiveness is still necessary, not as a not as a tool or an ingredient in the reconciliation of your relationship with them, but as a necessity to detox your soul, to rid your your life of the bitterness that you carry when you hold unforgiveness and hurt without surrendering it to the Father. And so when someone hurts me, right, but they, but they do not express any, any, um, any repentance, they do not express a, I'm sorry for what I have done to you. I am still responsible to forgive them. And that forgiveness is mediated between me, then, and my heavenly Father. Father, they have hurt me. I am, I am like deeply wounded and angry and upset and just like in, in emotional tatters. Lord, and I don't, I can't carry this pain. I can't carry this burden any longer. Heavenly Father, I forgive them. Help me to forgive them for that hurt, to set that heavy burden down, to close the gap of time so that we just don't let it fester and get infected. Heavenly Father, allow me to forgive them in this moment right now. And then we we don't pick up the phone, right, and be like, hey, you know that thing that you don't know that you did, that you don't know that hurt me? Well, I forgive you for it. Click. Right? No. Listen. Listen. We don't, we have a responsibility to not pile on a person's condemnation and guilt and shame for the injury that they have caused us, right? We are not to pile on guilt. We are not to pile on shame. We are not to pile on condemnation, right? That that is not our bag. We do not do that. We do not go close to that. We do not even approach the possibility of magnifying a person's shame. But what we also don't do is pretend there was no offense when there actually was. And it is, it is necessary sometimes for people to sit under the weight of conviction from the Holy Spirit about what they have done in the lives of others and to deal with that issue between them and God before you be like, hey, just want to let you know you hurt me. I don't even know what I did, bro. Like they're just not, they're not there, right? They don't see it. And your communication of, a, oh, I just want to let you know, uh, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. I do. 
tell by the look on my face. Mm-hmm. Totally forgiven. No, you're, you're passive-aggressively bitter. You're passive-aggressively unforgiving them. Right? Right, and we have, like, I mean, just, just think about it, right? Jesus on the cross. You think Jesus had anyone that he possibly could extend some forgiveness to while he's hanging there on that cross? Right? All of the people around him, the soldiers mocking him, those who are like thumbs upping, finally, yeah, he's finally got what he deserved, right? And and does Jesus communicate forgiveness on the cross? He absolutely does. But who does he communicate it to? The people? No. Father, forgive them for they not know not what they do. Right? Not, hey, bro, forgive you. Forgive you. Forgive you. Right? The communication of forgiveness is to the Father, right? You see, because the reality is difficult pill, all right? Take a deep breath here. Take a deep breath. I'm going to take a sip of water. Is that sometimes um, something happens in a relationship, right? And it is necessary for me to forgive. And that forgiveness is mediated between me and the Heavenly Father. But my, my, my Heavenly Father, like, cleanses me of that bitterness, cleanses me of that hurt, cleanses me of that anger, and I, and I forgive. But, but listen, that does not mean that the relationship is restored. That, that, does, that does not mean that this is going to be okay, right? This is going to always be okay, right here. This may not be okay. It may be okay. And God may work in their heart, and God may work in your heart, right, to bring reconciliation and redemption and renewal to this relationship here. But listen, forgiveness must occur whether or not there is reconciliation in the relationship or not. Because you will conti- you will carry that unforgiveness on to your next relationship. You will carry that unforgiveness on to the relationship with your parents, your kids, your friends, your co-workers. The bitterness that takes root in your soul will not just stay in your soul. It will get infected and like a, a oozing wound will, will spill out onto people all over you. And it might not be today. And it might not be tomorrow, um, but in five years you'll look back on it and trace the bitterness of your heart back to the moment that you refused to forgive. Rationalization number four, I can't forgive if I can't forget. I can't forgive this thing because, man, I just can't forget it. And the reality is, is that you can't forget it because you won't forget it. You can't forget it because you will not forgive it. Forgetting about something does not come before forgiveness. You, you, will, you will not be able to lay that thing down in your mind until you choose to forgive the person for what they have done. Unforgiveness 
is the decision, right? It is a decision that I make to relive and revisit the offense every opportunity that I have. I'm just going to rethink this. I'm going to remember it. I'm going to relive the moment. I'm going to let it turn over in my soul. And I'm going to let it turn over in my soul. And I'm going to let it turn over in my soul. Why do you think that you can't forget it? Because you continue to relive it. You continue to revisit it. You will not forget it until you forgive it. Rationalization number five. If I forgive them, they'll just do it again. They're just going to do it again. What, you mean you'll have to carry two Michael Smokers? It's not that much, but still. Right? You mean what you're worried about? What you're worried about is them doing it again to you. So that's the reason you don't want to forgive them. So now you have two things to forgive. Are you worried they'll do it then again? Oh, so you're not going to forgive them of the two things because you're anticipating the third thing. And you would rather carry three than forgive two. Listen, unforgiveness is not some magical shield that protects you from someone hurting you again. Like, I'm going to hold on to my unforgiveness, because if I hold on to it, then they can't hurt me again. They most certainly can hurt you again. They probably will hurt you again. And if you haven't learned to forgive, to choose to forgive in the first instance, it's certainly not going to be any easier in the second time, or the third time, or the fourth time. Unforgiveness is not a shield against further hurt. So five rationalizations for unforgiveness. I can't forgive it's too big. Time will heal it. If I forgive, um, I'll forgive when they say sorry. I can't forgive if I can't forget, and they'll just do it again. We're going to go back to our text now and see the rest of the story because it delved really down deeply into this idea of forgiveness. So Jesus answered, Peter, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Um, Okay, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. So the man, owing the master says 10,000 talents, gets down on his knees and begs and says, all right, if you are patient with me, I promise 
that I will pay back everything that I owe you. Seems reasonable, right? Give me some time. Be patient. It seems reasonable only when we um, do not consider the immensity of the debt that the man was in and the way that he was presuming to pay it back. I will work off every penny that I owe you. Listen, listen to this. Those who have hurt us rarely correctly measure the depth of the offense. They rarely measure the depth of the offense correctly. And so the I'm sorry always feels horrifically shallow compared to the hurt that we are experiencing. And that is a normal thing. We do not, we do not rightly estimate the hurt that we cause in other people's lives. This guy is like, hey, just be patient with me and I'll pay you back everything I owe you. So, I am horrible at math, okay? 10,000 talents. Let's work this out, all right? So, one talent, one talent was equal to, a talent is a unit of weight, all right? It's not like a, here, I'll give you a one-talent bill. It was a unit of weight. One talent was equal to six thousand denarii okay one denarii is equal to one day's wage so you work five days a week you earn five denarii okay what is one day's wage worth this is in our 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 time right if you make minimum wage roughly minimum wage twelve dollars an hour and you work eight hours a day right your daily wage is about $95, right? So one denarii equals $95. So one talent or 6,000 days wages, right, is equal to $570,000. This guy owed his master 10,000 units of $570,000. That's $5.7 billion, right? $5.7 billion, billion dollars. Oh, just be patient with me. I'll pay it back. Bro, you ain't paying back anything, right? What's the point here? The point is that the debt that the man owed was unpayable. It was unpayable. There is no way, there is no way whatsoever that this man could pay back his debt. There was only one way out. There was only one way to get away from this debt that he incurred. The servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. Verse 27. 
The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. There is only one way out. There is only one way that an unpayable debt is paid, and that is the mercy and forgiveness of the master. I'm canceling what you owe. I'm canceling what you owe me. Now, here's the interesting thing. Did the master get his $5.7 billion back? used to think or you may think that well someone like someone or like when, 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 when forgiveness happens right that uh, no one pays the debt is just erased right no one pays but what is true no when I forgive someone they owe me right there's a debt that they owe me and I forgive them who pays I pay I pay. Forgiveness is is me paying the debt that someone owes me. The master, the master, like is like, well, I'm okay losing five point seven billion. I pay. I'll pay that. I will pay five point seven do- uh, billion dollars for your forgiveness. That's how much I will pay for your forgiveness. Okay, here it is, done. Over. Someone pays. But the person that pays is you. You pay. We pay the price for someone else's freedom. We pay the bill, the debt, so that someone else may be free. happens here um, in the rest of the story what was the servant's response in light of the mercy that he received listen this is like the, the biggest point of the whole thing right what was the servant's response in light of the mercy that he received from the master verse 28 29 but when that servant went out he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Remember the math lesson? So this guy was forgiven $5.7 billion, right? He goes out and finds someone who owes him 9500 and demands repayment immediately. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me. He demanded, and his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. You know that unforgiveness is refusal? Unforgiveness is refusal. I refuse. And anytime... Anytime you're considering not forgiving someone, I want you to say these words out loud. I refuse. I refuse to forgive them. I refuse. 
Let that ring in your ear. Let that ring in your spirit. And may you, in the most tender and graceful and merciful way, hear the voice of the Father say, I refuse. I refuse to forgive you. I refuse. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant back in. You wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had upon you? And in his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. Until he could pay back all that he owed. Could he pay it back? could not pay it back. What's interesting here is the response of the servant when he's called back to the master the second time. What does the servant say to the master the second time? Nothing. Why? Because there's nothing that can be said. There's nothing that can be said. In the, in the face of such infinite mercy that a debt was canceled. And then the refusal to cancel the debt of the other. In the face of those two things so incongruent with one another. There is nothing to be said. Here's the main point. What has been forgiven in your life by your master is infinitely greater than what you are not forgiven. What has been forgiven by your master in your life is infinitely greater than what you are refusing to forgive in someone else's life. Then you're going to let it go. When, when do you want to break free from this? When, when do you want to set it down? When do you want to take what is so heavy, what is so hurtful, what is so damaging, and, and leave it for the final time, and to move on, and to be free? Can you bring that triangle back up on screen? 
Because there's only one way to get to freedom. There's only one way to get to the feeling of freedom. And that's out of the identity as a forgiven person. I forgive others. And finally, for the first time, maybe ever in my life, do I experience true freedom. Freedom from hurt. Freedom from pain. Freedom from bitterness and anger and anxiety. Freedom. And you can't hopscotch your way from the bottom of the triangle to the top. You can't get there that way. There's only one way there. Listen. Next week, okay? Don't miss next week. Don't miss it. Don't miss next week. Um, next week, we, you, are going to break free from every relationship of unforgiveness that you have refused to forgive. Every pain that you're holding on to, every, every bitterness that is rotting out your soul, every shackle that is chained you to hurt that is chained you to pain that is that is keeping you from moving freely about life as a man or a woman that has an identity as forgiven we we are going to break free we are going to confess our unforgiveness we are going to repent of our unforgiveness and we are going to lay it at the altar and walk away in the process of becoming free. Now we'll be dealing with some real practical realities next week. Like, okay, great theory, Pastor Cameron, but like, how am I going to do this when I forgive them on Sunday and I'm angry with them still again on Monday? I'm, I'm not unaware of those realities, okay? We're, we're going to walk all over that, okay? We're going to get, we're going to get to as much of it as we possibly can, right? But, but here's what I want you to do. Um, Vinny, if you could get ready with those, with those cards. Uh, Vinny and, um, some others, and Pete is going to help pass out some index cards. You're going to take one card, or if you know you've got a lot of business to deal with, with a lot of people, you're going to take two. Or if you've got a whole journal full of hurt and pain and bitterness from unforgiveness in your life, just bring that. Right? Just bring that. I don't care. Because the, the, first, the first step, right? The first step in coming to a place of forgiveness is naming it, right? So here's what you're going to do with these cards. You're going to take, you're going to take that card. And you're going to write, 
You're going to write this down on it. Right? I am choosing to forgive blank for blank. I am choosing to forgive my parents for not buying me a Hot Wheels growing up, right? Deep pain. I am choosing to forgive blank for blank, right? And maybe you're going to need to fill up that card front and back, right? I am choosing to forgive my spouse for blank. I am choosing to forgive my parents. I am choosing to forgive so-and-so. I am choosing to forgive blank. I am choosing. I am choosing. You're going to bring those cards with you next week, or you're going to bring the piece of paper, or you're going to bring your journal, or you're going to bring wherever it is that you are consistently reliving the hurt and pain. And I haven't quite decided yet if we're going to bury those cards or if we're going to burn those cards, but, but we're not holding on to them any longer. You're bringing them here, but you're not leaving with them. Okay? You will bring the cards, but you will not leave with them. You will leave with a symbol of your freedom from unforgiveness. Because we will begin next week to break free from the power of unforgiveness and experience the power of forgiveness. Let us pray. Lord, may we break free. May you bring to mind, Lord, without any exception, without any delay, the people that we need to forgive. The people that we need to let go of pain. We will absorb the debt that they owe us because of what they have done for us. We will pay that price. Lord, not because it's natural, but because you have paid the price for us. You have paid an un payable debt on our behalf. And we will respond, Lord, in equal measure of mercy, in equal measure of forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.